0: You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
1: Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, I am Steve Dace. Todders and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. We are the crew from The Steve Dace Show on Blaze TV, radio and podcast each weekday right after Glenn Beck, filling in for Glenn here, these final two days of 2019. We got a ton of great reaction uh, to yesterday's show. Uh, about the seven deadly worldviews. I, I probably spent the last half hour or so uh, last night before I went to bed trying to answer as many of those as we could. Uh, the most uh, frequent question I received is, hey, can I, can I get a further breakdown of those in written form? And I should have mentioned this during yesterday's program. I totally forgot. Um, I wrote a book back in 2016. Glenn was very kind here to profile on, on the show, which helped us sell a lot of copies, by the way. Um, it's called A Nefarious Plot. Uh, You can still order it over at Amazon.com. But a lot of those seven deadly worldviews, in fact, all of them, are broken down in greater detail. If you want to learn more about those, uh, you can get to the book. It's called A Nefarious Plot. There it is on our shelf. Thank you, Aaron. Of course, we have a radio audience of 500 stations across the country. They don't know that. And I got to remember that, all right, because we're used to doing a TV show. So, again, if you're listening to us on one of those 500 radio stations across the country, go to Amazon.com and get a copy of A Nefarious Plot if you want to learn more about those seven deadly worldviews. If you want to learn more about us, and why wouldn't you, of course, uh, blazetv.com slash dace is how you can watch our show every day uh, here on Blaze TV. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Just look for my name, Steve. Steve. That's easy to spell. Dace, not so much though. Uh, it's a D-E-A-C-E. Steve Day, search for that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. You can also search for us on Facebook, search our YouTube channel as well if you want to get some highlight clips of our Blaze TV show. Uh, you can listen to us live each day on Blaze Radio as well, uh, from noon to two Eastern right after Glenn Beck. So, yesterday we 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 spent part one looking at the landscape of That we're called to engage. What are we up against from a belief system, from a worldview standpoint? Today, we're going to be more practical. How do we advance what we as conservatives actually believe? How do we conserve? Because that's what it means to be a conservative, to conserve. So how do we conserve that which has proven through the course of history to be what's best right, true, and beautiful for the human condition east of Eden? How do we do that? And five years ago, I, I wrote a book um, called Rules for Patriots, where I, I kind of laid out everything I had learned um, from my own time. I think what makes me a little bit more unique than a lot of people that do conservative media shows is I've actually worked and been involved in kind of the technocratic nuts and bolts side of politics. I've worked on campaigns, I've recruited candidates, I've consulted with campaigns, I've done strategy for them. And and so I've I've kind of got a foot in in both sides here. You know, the big idea you know, uh, philosophical worldview side that we focus in on often in conservative media, but then the nuts and bolts side. You know, when when we have candidates that represent our values and they run for office, how do they get from point A to point B? How do they how do they run on these themes? What does that look like? And so, I wanted to put together um, kind of a compilation of of the best things I've learned over the years. And I wrote this book called Rules for Patriots that was published uh, about five years ago and was endorsed at the time by uh, who's who of people in, in conservatism. I, I don't know that you're going to find too many books that get the endorsement of mucky mucks at the American Family Association and Freedom Works, And and, um, you know, uh, you look at uh, Donald Trump endorsed the book. Uh, At the time uh, when he was thinking of running for president, Newt Gingrich endorsed the book at the time. I mean, it's a pretty diverse cross section of of people and involved on the on the right who took a look at the book and were willing to endorse it for their audiences. And I've done a lot of talks and meetings about the book and stuff uh, uh, over the years. But when I when I found that, you know, I I thought this stuff was good because I've done it. And then I've seen it used against me and done by others. And when I got final confirmation that I thought we were on to something is I got a, I got a call one day from a guy named Sam Nunberg, and it was July of 2015, so several months after the book came out. And we had just had an event here in Iowa. That's where I live. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but I was born in, in here in Des Moines, Iowa, and that's where I raise my family now. So I've been, that's one of the reasons I'm so heavily involved in the technocratic side of politics is the Iowa caucuses. I've been heavily involved in that for a few cycles now. And I worked for the Ted Cruz campaign this last go around. And I got a call from a guy before I had declared for a candidate and decided which candidate I was going to support slash work for in this last cycle. Um, One of the campaigns that was interested in me was Donald Trump's. And the day before we had had this massive event carried by C-SPAN, I co-MC'd it with Frank Lentz of Fox News. Where 13 presidential candidates were here giving their pitches, spiels uh, to a, well over a thousand activists here for the Iowa, conservative act- activists for the Iowa caucuses. And I was, I was standing backstage um, to be essentially closed, for lack of a better description, by Trump to, to come on board. And um, I still wasn't 100% sure I could do this. You know, um, but I was going to certainly listen to the a pitch of a guy of this magnitude. And Todd, you and I, that whole summer, were like, yeah, we see the Samson bull in a china shop potential. But can we really that's a pretty big worldview leap, right? We had yeah. how many of those conversations behind the scenes you and I had that summer as you kind of just being a sounding board and and, and your willingness to ask because because my ego wanted all in on this. OK, but you were willing to ask a lot of the kind of the larger picture questions kind of help me keep my ego in check. And so we did a lot of game theory with this right. and how it would look. Right? Correct. And, and so I'm standing there backstage and Trump's being interviewed by Frank Luntz. And he talks about how um, that was the moment when he said that uh, when John McCain's name came up, and I'm, I'm no fan of John McCain as a politician anyway, uh, certainly appreciated his service to the country. But as a politician, um, he hated people like us. I just attested conservatives. So, I, if, if you're, if, if if I think you're going too far in criticizing John McCain, that's probably too far. And when he said, you know, I, I like soldiers who weren't captured, and the and the groans in the crowd, and several of the other things he said, and I'm like, I there's no way I can I can at least not in a primary when there's so many other conservative candidates whose records are proven. There's no way I can do this. And we were actually doing a live show. Uh, For a national radio network that day and I was breaking, you were, you were hoping helping to co-anchor the show when when I was doing my MC events. So I was coming back and forth from the stage to our stage. Right. And I came back and you guys were like, Hey, that was fast. I'm like, I can't, it just can't happen. You guys watched what happened out there. I can't, I can't get on board with this, you know? So the next day, my wife and I are at a, going to a movie after church, and I get a I've got a voicemail. which my guy named Sam Nunberg, who at the time was essentially Trump's political um, operator. Ran, was running Trump's political machine, and he said, "Hey, um, I'm I'm you know you need to see this uh, article I just ghost wrote for Trump for USA Today about his comments about McCain." And so he sent me the link, and I read the link, and it was titled "I Will Not Apologize." I think is what it was titled, and he just refused to accept the premise. John McCain was an unassailable figure, and and he even went so far. He even reversed the premise, and went so far. Trump did in this piece that Sam Ghost wrote for him to claim he's done more for POWs over the years than the former POW John McCain. I'm Amy. I, I'm I am Amy is reading this to me while I'm driving home from the theater, and I am just incredulous. Okay, at the hutzpah, right? And I called Sam back, and I and I thought you know Sam and I are still friends. And I thought this I thought there was a chance, though, this might be the last time we were ever going to talk, because a lot of times in politics, people are your friends when they need you or you have something they want. And then when you don't anymore, they're not, you know, and I was like, uh, bold strategy, Cotton. All right. Nice knowing you. There's that. This has no chance to work. And then he stopped me dead in my trash. He goes, I'm really surprised. I just used the tactics out of your own book. When I ghost wrote this, this you should have recognized these tactics. You should have appreciated them. It's right out of rules for patriots. So a week later, I was convinced Trump was toast as a candidate. A week later, I called uh, the guy running his Iowa campaign named Chuck Laudner, figuring maybe him and I might figure out, you know, because I'm about to decide who I'm going to support. Maybe we'd figure out we'd support the same person. And he's like, Steve, I, I I was about to walk away from this like everybody else. I was offended at what he said. But we are. I'm, I've never gotten more response from an audience around the country. I've got military people who are who are sending us notes telling me I don't even like Donald Trump. I am just so glad that finally someone said something they really think and didn't freaking apologize to the media that hates us for it afterwards. I didn't even like it. I didn't even agree with it. I thought it was appalling, but it's not nearly as appalling. As as the lies and fake news that the media that hates him and hates us feeds me every single day. That the only reason I think government's too big under Obama is I'm a racist. The only reason I think a, a child is better off with a father and a and a mother is I'm a homophobe. The only reason I think the border ought to be cons- secured is I'm a xenophobe. I'll, I'll take his appalling over that any day of the week. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. And you and I had conversations about this at the time, too. Sure. And thought, maybe, maybe, well, I had two responses. A. There's, there's something different going on out there than we anticipated. And B, holy crap, the stuff in this book works. I mean, I thought it worked. All right. But to see it played out and tried out on such a large stage was kind of the final confirmation. And, and that's why today what I want to do is I want to share with you some of the principles that were used that day to essentially salvage Donald Trump's nascent presidential campaign when we all thought it was done. And and how these Ten Commandments of political warfare, how they can be used by us to elevate our principles and help them win the day.
0: This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks.
1: On the final day of 2019, day two of us proving they'll let just about anybody filling around here when they're desperate for holiday help. We are the crew of the Steve Dace Show. We are on After Glenn, noon to 2 Eastern, every day on Blaze TV radio and podcast, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also uh, look us up, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So yesterday we talked about worldview. Today we're going to talk about tactics. How do we do what we actually believe? How do we get it done? Get her done. How do we do that? Our 10 commandments of political warfare. This is number one for a reason. Never trust Republicrats. Do not trust someone just because they talk a good conservative game. I believe there's a famous line from an all-time bestseller that says, faith without works is what, Todd? Uh, uh, dead. That would be dead. All right? Show me your works and I'll show you your faith, right? Show me your faith and I'll show you your works. It's a symbiotic relationship. In politics, you are the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. Let me say that again. In politics, you are the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. I could look at any unkept promise by this president in his first term, and it would come down to one thing, a trusting of Republicans. They didn't repeal Obamacare. He outsourced that to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. They they don't believe in that stuff. They weren't going to do it. We still got soldiers standing around in Afghanistan waiting to get IED'd to death like a glorified, well-outfitted mall cop in one of the armpits of this planet for reasons only Allah knows. Has no, other than its poppy fields, it serves no strategic benefit whatsoever. Why? Boy, the Pentagon is full of those kinds of republicrats. People love to talk America first in the jingoistic game, but in the end. When some Muslim terrorists coordinate a shooting at a Pensacola military base, the first concern is, let's make sure this doesn't impact our Saudi troop-sharing program. Priorities. Yes. In the end, you're the hills you die on. Not the slogan you about. Let me prove this to you in the most painful way possible. <laughs> All right? So this is one of our favorite games how the audience could not see your smile. so It's our spiritual gift. Yes. Um, one of our favorite games, our sister site at The Blaze, is called Conservative Review. And Conservative Review's primary function is what's called a Liberty score. And it's to record on a rolling average of the last 50 votes on every conceivable issue. Just to continue updating how your members of Congress are performing on conservatism. What I love about this score is it just keeps rolling over. And other than like a great group like Club for Growth is going to be focused on one slate of issues, this can this takes every issue into account. Because a conservative view, they reject, well, I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. No, no. no, you're not. There's no such thing. That person doesn't exist, okay? Except maybe at Cato. There's like five of those people on a floor. All right? But, but those votes don't exist. Those voters don't exist. That person really doesn't exist in mass. All right? You're either a conservative or you're not. Okay, And if you're offended by that, by all means, email me, steve at stevedace.com. I'll be happy to correct you. Okay, um, you, you cannot limit government by promoting Sodom and Gomorrah. Because when there's immorality, people are like, you know what? If, if I get to do whatever I want and, and if it blows up in my face, I'm not paying for it. I'm going to make you pay for it instead. That's how we got the welfare state in the first place, folks. All right? So this Liberty score just looks at how they actually vote on the issues that matter to you, all of them. I'm going to give you a few names here, because they're, they've been in the news a lot. You see them on Fox News every night, practically. What do you what do you call them? Trademark what, Aaron? What do you call them on our conservative, daily show? Uh, no, well, it's actually New Conservative Heroes. Yes, these are Trademark. your New Conservative Heroes. Meaning, I, I own the libs in a, in a soundbite or a video clip, and now... The the talking point has come down from Mount Valhalla. Um, These are now, behold, your new conservative heroes. Trademark. Trademark. The name Devin Nunez has been in the news a little bit the last few years, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. I thought he did. By the way, we read his memo on our show when it came out. And almost, I can't think of something in his memo that was not proven to be true. So let's give credit where credit is due. All right. He has done some good work on debunking the Russian collusion hoax. But in the end, when when they create hoaxes on the next Republican president you have, because that's how they roll, okay? Their names change. Sometimes it's Julie Swetnick. Sometimes it's Anita Hill. The names change. The scams remain the same, right? Fire up the Jimmy Page. The song remains the same, all right? In the end, if you want to beat these people, you got to beat them with a better society, with, with the right principles. His Liberty score, and he's been in Congress for 15 years. <laughs> well, a lot of you're going to be drinking tonight, so let's just go ahead and be honest with you. All right? 33%, folks. That's not even a Moses Malone. Foe, foe, foe. 33%. 33 that means almost 70% of the time, your new conservative hero, Devin Nunez, votes with the very Democrats that you believe uh, uh, that he'll be slaying tonight on your behalf on his seven hundred and ninety-eighth consecutive appearance on the Lori Ingram program.
0: You just hate freedom, Steve.
1: Indeed, yes. Lindsey Graham. Oh yeah. Oh, no. Remember he went off? He saved Brett Kavanaugh. This is the biggest travesty I've ever seen. These were my friends. These were my friends. You were supposed to do this to one of them conservative judges I don't like. Not not car a robe in a black robe. That's not, the, that's not the rules of engagement around here. I'm incensed. Lindsey Graham from the deep blue state of South Carolina. I I believe you can, I think in fact, to get elected to the Greenville, and I love Greenville. We have one of our offices there in Greenville, South Carolina. Correct me if I'm wrong if you're listening there from the home branch in Greenville this morning. I believe to get elected to the city council in Greenville, South Carolina, you must be able to recite the entire New England primer, word for word, in page order, I believe. That's how red South Carolina is. Right? Lindsey Graham Nestee's liberty score. 30%. 30. Which means 70% of the time. He votes like he represents Bernie Sanders, Vermont. Remember, I told you guys yesterday pragmatism sucks? <laughs> Lindsey Graham's liberty score is living, breathing proof. How about the newest conservative hero? Oh, yes. She face down. Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, the Isengard and Mordor of of our Middle Earth, the two towers of progressive dominance. Okay. Would you like to know her Liberty score? She's been in Congress for five years, or four years. (laughs) 24% of the time, she votes with you. Elise Stefanik didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts, guys. Like, like that is to even to be a Republican. That is the minimum threshold. You have to be willing to vote for like any tax cut, like literally any of them. Like you can't be one, like anywhere. Like even Chris Christie cuts taxes. Even the Rhinos cut taxes. Because everybody knows that is the minimum threshold. The number one thing now for for those of us that have been Republican activists, number one thing we would know the Republican Party for is being pro-life, pro-second right. But for the for, the, for in the within the skull and bones society of the Republican Party, the vow you take, Nomine Patre. All right, when, they, when when you, when when <laughs> nice. you are brought in, did you like that? Right. I do. When you are brought in, I, I took a shot at you yesterday. I had to give one back this morning to my Catholic editor over here to my right. Um, and, and when you are a made. Um, evolved blob of tissue fetal matter in the Republican Party the agreement is you must vote for any tax cut It just automatic you have to or you're out she didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts last year or in 2017 she couldn't even bring herself to do the bare minimum it takes
0: remember in the Man of Steel movie you love so much when you find out that the S stands for hope in their language yes like what does the magic R really stand for rot gut yes uh
1: yeah. Rancid. How about wrong? <laughs> it's you the see new what math. It's the new math. Yes. So um, Elise Stefanik, who right now, there are conservative women around the country right now saying to their daughters, be more like her. Indeed. Vote against the number one reason your economy is booming right now, the Trump tax cuts. Do that. If, dude, if you can't get a Republican to vote to cut your taxes— and that, that is the point you might as well just vote Democrat because you're going to get everything else that the Democrats want to.
0: What was it that you pointed out regarding this, how how these Republicans run in red states versus how progressives r- we'll run in that. red states? Yeah. Okay. yeah, we're going to get to that in okay. a second,
1: too. i got to get to one more, though, because, because there was a huge blow up about Doug Collins, the congressman in Georgia, who's got lots of cool quips. Going off on Mueller and, the, and the, all these hoaxes we've all had to endure for the last year, all right? His Liberty score in deep red Georgia, 48%. Remember when Reagan said the person who's your 80% friend isn't your 20% enemy? What about the person who's the 50% enemy, 70% enemy? Are they a 20 or 30% friend? And if you think these are isolated, oh, there's more.
0: Listening to the Best of the Glenn Beck Program.
1: My name is Steve Dace. I'm here with the crew of the Steve Dace Show Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre noon to two Eastern each weekday right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. If you want to find out more about us, check out our channel on YouTube. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just look up my name, D-E-A-C-E. You can also go to blazetv.com slash dace to watch us and all of the other great programming we do each day at Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash dace. So we spent an entire opening hour, on the first of the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare from my book, Rules for Patriots, which I wanted to write the antidote to Solinsky's Rules for Radicals. How do we actually have principles that elevate those of us that believe in God-given rights rather than emulating the principles of a book dedicated to Lucifer? How do we do that? That's what these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare are all about. So now that we have, I think, at the very least— enticed a number of you to consider how much you are willing to blind trust these Republicans you elect because they gave you the soundbite you wanted on Fox news tonight. Let's move on to the rest of the tactics. Gentlemen, you ready to go? Let's get it. Yep. Let's go to number two, second of our 10 commandments, N- never attack what you're not willing to kill. This is a mistake I've seen conservatives make in public office way too often. Here's the reality. The minute you become the Republican nominee for any office in America that matters. You are immediately a racist, a misogynist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, and you probably kick puppies immediate. I I look at John McCain. The media did everything they could to get him the nomination 10 years ago, five minutes after he clinched the nomination front page in the New York Times. uh, He's got a mistress. Now I, I believe that story was debunked, but You think that they just found out about that five minutes after he clinched the nomination? Or do you think they probably had that story ready the entire time? And if he hadn't clinched the nomination, there would be no point in running that story because then they could still use him to book him every Sunday morning to use and spew their talking points against people like us, right? That's the way the game is played. You're a Green Bay Packers fan, right, Todd? Yeah, the legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, always used to say to his players, if you're going to go over the middle, catch the ball. Because when you go over the middle, you know that safety's coming up behind you. He, he can't see if you caught the ball or not most of the time. And so he is caught to play you, the, the player, not the ball. That, so that's why he hits you, to try to stop you and separate you from the ball. So you're going to get hit going over the middle, sticking out those out. Al- How many times on an NFL Sunday or a college football Saturday? Do you see guys stick the alligator arms out there? Right? Meaning they, they don't fully extend for the ball. And then they get cold jacked anyway, and you're screaming as a fan, just catch the ball. You're getting a hit anyway. What was the point of taking the hit if you're not going to move the change or 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 score the touchdown, right? Correct. Yes. All too often you see the people representing you think, you know, if I if I if I just stop here, they'll be nice to me. No, they won't. No, they won't. You want a great example of what of, of, of what it looks like to never attack what you're not willing to kill? Go watch Donald Trump Jr.'s recent appearance on The View a few weeks ago. Dude loaded up, came came loaded, man, emptied the freaking chamber. And then with bodies twitching and smoke pouring forth from the barrel, went for a refill cocked again, unloaded the chamber again, and then was like, Austin Powers, I'm spent. That's that's what you do, guys.
0: Well, of course you do, but uh, we need a better, this is like the, the reverse of the Joker, we need a better class of criminal and I'm going to give it to him sort of thing. But this is this is really, really hard to do because ultimately a lot of our candidates get involved they, they, listen they are pageant parents is what they are. this is they, they really want the ribbon, the the ceremony, yep. all of that stuff. and you don't have to be a jerk. you listen, it's easy. we're quite good at it. Uh, but you don't have to go in there. Name calling or anything right. like I that. Back, this is about to, the ideas. Yes. Kill the ideas. I go back
1: to John Junior. You watch that clip. He's not. He's no. not in there being a d bag or anything. I mean, and if anything, his delivery reminded me of Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. Bert, you were there, right? When he looks over at when he looks over at Whoopi Goldberg and says, well, "I mean, hey, Whoopi, you you were. I mean, I, I mean, uh, Joy, you wore blackface too." And it was like, yeah. "Come on." We're all just Ralph you know, we're all part of the Ralph Northam society here, right? See that tactic doing it that way actually works even better because if you go in there with brow furrowed from the outset, then they can right away just label you. But when you go in there, you know like D, how you like me now, you know I, I you know we're just sitting here having some coffee talk and the truth's on my side, I got nothing to fear. This is a devastating tactic. They're going to treat you like the Covington kids. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So what is the point of earning all of these bad names? What why do any of this then? If if you're not going to lay waste, okay? Lay waste to the fortress. Then 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 don't enlist. Because you'll be treated just the same as if you had anyway. That brings us to commandment number 3. Never Accept. The word never, you're going to find, is, is used a lot here. I like absolutes. We, we love absolutes on this show. We embrace them. We marinate in them. We love them. Never accept the premise of your opponent's argument. Never. Never? And again, if you just tuned in this morning, never in the original Greek means never. It's neveros. Neveros. It's never. Right? Um, how are we doing that today? Oh, you know, and tons of things How many we all do it And I and we're all afraid of getting banned on social media right now Everybody in conservative media is for the most part except for kurt schlichter all right, I think he's begging for a ban. God bless him. All right. I mean, it's like he it's like kurt schlichter logs on twitter He's like looking for updates to their terms of service of what you can't say or do, and it's like, all right, now I know I've got my marching orders for today. All right, and 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 I'm I'm convinced they won't ban him because they just don't want to give him the satisfaction. Right? <laughs> so, the, most of us in our industry are paranoid about getting banned from these platforms because they're our primary conduit to reach most of you. With with our clips and stories, and it's how you aggregate your information and in news nowadays. Our, our ability to reach you is severely diminished without them. And so, what's happening is mental illness, known as trans this and trans that, but it's mental illness. It's insanity. I mean, let me let me read for you this headline. Uh, let me find it here from over at Red State yesterday. All right, th- this headline is incredible, um, and it was. A story out of the UK. This is the headline. I'm just going to read it verbatim. A lesbian couple identifying as neither a straight nor gay couple has a miracle baby with the sperm of a man identifying as a woman thanks to a transgender doctor. That's 2019 in one headline, y'all. Right there. Yes, it is. And, and Red State is doing it this way for two reasons. One, this is a devastatingly effective way of pointing out how insane this all is. But two, this is the most devastatingly effective way they could do so without violating the terms of service of the social media groups and getting banned. If you verbalize your opponent's talking points, you're helping to advance them. If you you permit the premise of your opponent's argument to be granted, he will win the argument every time. Whoever's premise is accepted in an argument always wins. Always wins. We're always arguing bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. They're always arguing premise, premise, premise. That's where the fight is at. It's not at the end of the argument, it's at the beginning, Todd. That's why you have to. Who's the player,
0: former Nationals, now in the Phillies? Oh, you're talking about Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper. That's yeah. why you need to be comfortable saying that's a clown question, bro. You you've got to have that in your arsenal. And you have to say it a lot because the media just comes at you over and over again with these ridiculous premises. And it's fascinating that you bring up read that headline because one of the best jobs you did this in real time. With the local guy on channel thirteen, yeah. you got to tell people about that because yeah. you basically I said that's a that. clown question bro. Yeah.
1: there was a local news guy and they had me they, when I was doing just local radio and they used to do this feature local newsmakers for yeah. in a chair for sixty minutes and can ask you anything. so I go into the chair and they want to ask me all kinds of questions about homosexuality all right and they and he starts asking me questions like um, do I ha- you know um do or do I think a homosexual should be allowed to openly serve in the military?" And I said to him, I, I think all males and females who are able-bodied and can live by the Uniformed Code of Military Justice, if they wish to volunteer to serve their country, they ought to be able to. And then he asked me again, same question. I gave him the exact same answer. All males and females that can serve and can live by the um uh, Uniformed Code of Military Justice should be able to. And he's like... Well, what about what about gays? I'm like, I only know of two forms of people, male and female. If you know of a third variation of the species, by all means, you should be in the chair. That's what I told him. You should be well, – let's switch spots. You're right. the newsmaker. You're breaking news. You're letting us know something science has not previously told us. I only know men and women. And then he said to me, he goes, well, do you have any family members who are gay? Because this was right after we had the election about throwing the judges out over gay marriage here in Iowa. And I looked at him and I said, well – uh, I believe that what someone I used their own talking point against them. I looked at them and said, well, "I believe what someone does with another consenting adult in their own bedroom is none of my business." So I I don't call up my family members and ask them, "Hey, did you have gay sex last night?" And that's how the that's how the exchange ended. Right then and there, that's what you're talking December about. December thirty first, two thousand nine. You would have probably been somewhere on the on the airwaves or maybe not because you were probably on break then. But around that time, you would have been somewhere saying, you know, uh, with the gay marriage debate, this would have been uh, five and a half years before a burger fell with the gay marriage debate. What we're really debating here and you would have correctly pointed out is that there is no gender. And of course, you would have been told, oh, you're just making a slippery slope argument. This is just about um, this is just about love is love and uh, love is equal. And and all of this, 10 years later. December 31st, it's that red state headline. Because ultimately we're saying it's not natural for men to be attracted to women and women to be attracted to men. And that's how we perpetuate the species. That's that's really what you're saying is those aren't God-given or nature-ordained instincts and desires and wants. And, and, and that's why we're going to justify no longer recognizing that and undoing them. So what you're really saying, if you take your argument to its logical premise, you're saying there's no gender. And I'd bring these people on, as you point out, they'd lose their minds. Yep. But now what is, what is the argument? What's been the number one cultural flashpoint we've had all year in 2019? The very gender argument they used to deny to people like me they really wanted to have all along.
0: Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is The News and Why It Matters. If you like this show, you're going to love The News and Why It Matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The News and Why It Matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast.
1: The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.